Welcome, crowd of assorted life forms or artificial intelligences. I'm Annie Mo, and today we're talking about what I want to talk about. That topic, a book. You should read one, but I've read one for you, and we'll share those contents today. All right. Uh, today's book, Interface Culture, How Technology Transforms the Way We Create and Communicate by Stephen Johnson. Uh, please take note that this book was written in 1997, so there are some ideas and themes that are a bit dated, but stay with me on this today. I will state for the record that this year is 2021, and even now, this broadcast will soon be outdated. So let's just take his words at face value for now. Now, the book is an exploration of technology through the ages, while adding a lot of insightful commentary to context that was going on around those technological advances. Uh, think of Neil deGrasse Tyson explaining anything. That's how this book feels. If that touchstone does not work for you, if you've ever heard the 44th president, Barack Obama, give a speech and do not know why you're listening to taxes, that's what that book is doing. So enough about the vibes of the book. What does it say? Uh, now, I will be using direct quotes from the text. I will preface those statements with terms like states, explains, clarifies, or I'll just say the author's name in the sentence. But either way, I will make clear what are my words and what are not. This whole talk is based on the book. So if you ever read this book and say, hey, that sounds vaguely close to what Johnson wrote. I apologize. I've spent a lot of time in here and I've adopted some of the terms into my own vocabulary. To begin in the preface of this book, the author discusses invention. In the past, it was novel and it took a lot of time to move through the technology. But today, invention is happening constantly and it seems to have no limitations. The inventions have benefited all career paths from the scientists to the humanities. Uh, the speed with which we innovate is changing the world as we know it, and the author walks us through the past to illustrate this point. To begin, we discuss how we got our modern computer interface. What's an interface? It's the part of the computer you don't realize you're using. Johnson describes it as, interface serves as a kind of translator, media mediating between two parties, making one sensible to the other. In a sense, the interface is the dashboard in your car. The dashboard does not house the engine or the exhaust, but it gives you updates when your engine is low on oil. Use of a computer, previously known as a person who actually just did a lot of math, uh, was a specialty skill that only people who studied the software really understood. They were not made for the common man, like how, since I do not have a special license, I can't drive a semi-truck, despite having a general idea of how to drive a car. Computers were full of options that required a knowledge of code to command originally. If you've ever seen those 80s, like big black screens with green lines of text, that's what we're talking about here. But agonized by the idea of being able to thread through the information, uh, on the inventor Doug Engelbart made a product that changed how we worked with computers forever. His vision of making a visual representation of the strings of ones and zeros led him to inventing the mouse. Yeah, the mouse little plastic thing that clicks and has a little scrolly button in the middle. Uh, the use of the mouse in reality added more code to the computer, but it made the interface easier for the average person to operate. The mouse was not fully appreciated during the initial time it was presented, but is now an essential part of the interface we use for our computers. Next, we talk about the desktop and how interface has shaped what it became. Uh, desktops are your home and your computer, your driver's seat. It's always how you want it, but you, not always in that case. 
Johnson stated, the whole idea of imagining a computer as an environment, a virtual world, comes out of the seemingly modest invention, although it would take many years for that legacy to become visible. The consumer coder relationship has been a crucial part of computer design. Early on the desktop era, desktops were coded to look like homes and familiar real world locations like cafes or parks. But this idea was not the organization or what the computers or what the consumers of computers really needed. So a young man named Alan Kay came up with the idea of overlapping windows, but it was awkward to use at first. It was not fully realized until Steve Jobs, yes, Steve Jobs, the man behind your iPhone, adopted the idea with others to form the Macintosh computer. Steve Jobs took the idea of overlapping windows, then created an interface never seen before. Apple computers have been the standard of interface ever since the Macintosh hit the market with its modern interface housing, menus, icons, folders, trash cans, and other icons that you now pair with a computer almost immediately. The most striking part of the Mac desktop, according to Johnson, was its character. Uh, this visually pleasing system with use of the mouse made a computer for the regular man, even made the slogan, computer for the rest of us, super popular in the Apple lexicon. Around this time, Johnson exclaims, the computer you used revealed your personality type, not your politics. As time progressed and all computers adopted the Windows setup, dropping the hard to use code interfaces, the line in the sand became professional versus play. This battle stemmed into companies trying to make more friendly interfaces, but some of them were just too odd using digital houses with odd user, inter user interaction. Windows is still the main desktop used because of poor ideas that followed its creation that took the idea of user-friendly a little too literally. Uh, Johnson says the Windows metaphor was being taken too seriously and thus nothing better has been developed. The introduction of the internet as a cafe environment furthered the personal interface setup. Having a social aspect changes how people interact with the space. This interface led the way to the original online gaming. These social interactions also lead to modern day online communities like Reddit or Wikipedia culture, gaining of knowledge and a collective unit. Next, we move into the next section, which is Windows and how they impact our interactions with machines. The Windows system put our files in special systems, such as leaving your keys by the front door. It was organized. It makes it easier for you to find your files by physical memory and not textual organization. That being said, the Windows system is a textual system. It's just being presented visually for ease of use. We use faux special systems because 3D systems have not been fully realized for public consumption. The companies that have been working on them can't find a balance. The most appealing feature of Windows is the ability to quickly switch from one task to the other. The ability to move back and forth promotes optimization of time, productivity, and making edits or analyzing things easier. This process is what programmers call mode switching, uh, a system that leaves one task open while you complete the other. The reason people do not recognize this term, mode switching, is because Windows was a successful product. Critics said that Windows program was too distracting and that the common public would accomplish nothing due to short attention spans, but Johnson makes a different point. He says the digital computer kept us abnormally focused on a single task during the command line years. The rise of Windows simply restored us to our usual fragmented state. And Johnson is saying humans by nature are not focused on one thing at a time. So giving them the power, the power to control how much they focus on is super useful. The Windows created an entry point for the website and web surfing in itself. This new access to information changed journalism and how the public can be accessed. If windows are the viewpoints of websites, 
Links are the roads to the sites. Exploring the web through links to other sites was a byproduct of navigating, and I'm using the word navigating intentionally, sites and windows. The term surfing in reference to the web is not really accurate, as to follow a link there is implied investment in the information. Surfing is a casual browse, which is not how one searches for things on the internet. Links are direct. They have one location for one title, such as words that are used to describe one thing with no variation. Links are a form of language, and they communicate what you cannot. This begs the question, if we cannot communicate without links, what are we really communicating? Links are the location of all the knowledge one could want to possess, but if we only use links to communicate, there is no substance. We do not want to simply regurgitate information. There should be additions to the lexicon. The growing use of hypertext has been testing the plausibility of improving links. If the only way we can improve on links is by making them convoluted or unusable, then have we perfected it? Highly doubtful, but the way we are using them now is working and getting deeper in subtext by the day. The final stretch of interface culture covers three things, text, agents, and the future. When was the last time you deeply considered how you use words on a screen or on a piece of paper? Text is the basis of everything we have covered so far, as it was used for the code in the initial interface, navigation in the new interface system, and communicating between the two. Text is an invaluable part of the computer experience. Even as I type this script, I'm using text to organize my thoughts. The same text is used to share my thoughts with you without you having to see or call me. Please don't call me. This is a written format, but I can also share this text with you through email, text message, or conversation as I'm currently doing. Text is so universal that we have all forgotten it is there, which is the mark of a truly great interface. But at what cost have we neglected it? English and other languages evolve through use, but if we do not acknowledge that use, how does it evolve? What meaning do we bestow without knowing how we are bestowing it? Agents, those little trackers on your hard drive that say you've opened this paper three times in four hours, maybe you want to open it again? They adapt to you, your needs, your wants, and sometimes your future wants. Agents work within your patterns. If you turn your computer on and always open a word processor, it'll appear in your suggested apps. But they also try to predict new patterns you'll adopt. So if you look at cruise tickets every December, eventually you'll find summer deals in November for said cruises. They are the best friend you never asked for who knows way too much about your personal history for you to get rid of them. These agents can work through your personality traits, starting from food, moving to movies and sports preferences, and it goes on. The question about agents is how good do we want them to be at their job? If they predict everything correctly, are you living by their suggestion or are your decisions as a simple pattern for a processor to navigate? What does that mean for children who grow up with that tech and start basing their lives off the suggestions? Do we lose our autonomy if a computer can predict our major life decisions? The question remains, do we want the interface we use to be an extension of us and our thoughts or a better version of our minds that can do anything? That said, what is our current interface? This book was released in 1997, and some of its grand predictions have fallen a bit flat for now, but the possibilities of some of the ideas are still promising. Other predictions have come true, so we only have time as an answer for some of the bigger ideas to come. Now, anyone who enjoyed me talking about this book for over 10 minutes, I suggest you read the book. The detail the author goes into is a much better experience than just having me talk about these ideas and concepts. 
I'm only sharing this information because I thought it was cool and I enjoyed the book. My rating on a scale from one to five is four. Again, I love this book. The author gets a bit long-winded at the back end with the future predictions, but as a whole, it's an amazing exploration of what brought our current technology field world to this point. If you have a friend who may like this book, send this audio to them. Maybe they'll read the book too. Well, that's all from me, Kraut. If you want to talk about the book or suggest a different one to me, find me on my socials. Uh, my Twitter is Animo Tyson. That is Animo, A-N-Y-M-O, Tyson like the chicken company. Have a good day.